Hello, and welcome to The Intentional Workplace. This is a podcast about thoughtfully managing yourself and finding the inspiration to lead others at work. Hey, everyone. My name is Neil Stewart, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Tammy Ditzel, here in just a minute. On today's episode, which just happens to be the very first episode of The Intentional Workplace, we're going to talk about a few things that I'm really excited about. First of all, Tammy will introduce herself. So Tammy is a certified executive coach, and she's going to tell us about the journey of becoming an executive coach and what makes a great coach. And second of all, we're going to talk about the importance of having a really clear vision when you're looking for your dream job. So let's jump on into the very first episode of The Intentional Workplace. So, uh, so Tammy, how are you? I'm great, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I like the fact that you kind of hesitated on that. You know, <laughs> most of the time people just say I'm great and they're really not great. <laughs> yeah, I was questioning it. No, I mean, it's, you know, these are, these are such interesting times. There's parts of me that feel really great about, about what we're learning through all this. And then there's parts of me that are kind of scared to death, to be honest. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, there's uh there's something new to be scared to death about each and every day. It seems like. Yeah. Unfortunately, but yeah. uh, all we can hope is that we grow from it just as, as people, but as companies, as organizations, as, as a country, you know, just hope that we grow and we, we go in the right directions. Yep. Yep. So why don't we start with this? Um, why don't we help our uh, millions of listeners around the world uh, get familiar with uh, who we are? So um, if you could do a little introduction about yourself, I think that'd be the best place to start. Okay. So you really think these millions of people are interested? Oh, yeah, they are. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to pretend yeah. that they are. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my name is Tammy Ditzel, and I own an organizational development company. I'm a certified executive coach, but I also do a lot of um, mostly learning and development work within organizations of all types. Uh, my areas of specialty are leadership, interpersonal communication, and career development. And uh, I've been doing this uh longer than I'm going to share. So okay, that's, that's fine. good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I'll do the same thing. Okay. <laughs> so how does one become uh, a coach? Well, you know, there's lots of different programs out there. For, first of all, what you need to know, really, this is, this is really true. There are no really guidelines necessarily. You have the International Coaching Federation, which is, which is what we're members of, but like anybody can call themselves a coach. And get away with it. You know what I mean? It's not like um, I can't call myself a therapist or a counselor, even though I have a degree in psychology, I'm not certified or trained as a counselor or therapist, but anybody can call themselves coach. So I think that's important to know, because uh, if you ever hire a coach, you want to make sure that they are trained and certified. And so there's a lot of organizations, training and development organizations out there that do that. My training is from a company called Inside Out Development, and I love their philosophy because it matched my philosophy when I was looking for this uh, training that people already know how to be great. I, I mean, I really do believe that. Uh, but we get in our own way. You know, we get stuck and it really helps to have someone else 
a neutral person who's not emotionally connected to you help you kind of unravel the spaghetti in your brain, right? So that you can really get out of your own way and get to wherever it is you want to get to. So a coach should never define your success. You define success and what that means. And the coach just really helps you to move those obstacles, get out of your own way and meet those goals, whatever those goals are. Yeah. So uh, we should probably disclose that you have been my coach for, I guess I could say several years now and helped yeah. me with uh, the spaghetti that's in my brain quite <laughs> often. Uh, so I like that that analogy that, that uh, struck a chord with me. So it seems like serving as someone's coach is, I guess, just all about asking good questions and, and prying that greatness out of people. It really is. It's, I call, um, you're looking for a breakthrough moment when you coach. You want to kind of crack them open a little bit and say, hey, you have the answer, right? But yeah, it is about asking great questions, but not just great questions, but great questions at the right time. If your coach, if you have a coach, this is to all the millions of listeners out there. If you have a coach and they're giving you advice, be wary of that. Make sure advice is okay at some point, but it's really about letting you empowering you to solve your own problems, to break through to the next level, whatever that looks like. So yeah, it's about asking great questions. It's about listening, 100% listening. And it's also, you know, we talked in when we first started our podcast this morning, Neil, we talked about, you know, me hesitating when I said I'm great, I think, uh, about what's going on in the world. And one of the things that a great coach does is they they don't use judgmental language. They accept and embrace and celebrate you for exactly where you are. And that's really super important. Yeah, that's uh, I, I love that. That reminds me of uh, a book that I read uh, a long time ago, and I, actually, I just started reading it again recently. And it's called "The Inner Game of Tennis." So it's a book about tennis, and it's about, but it's about the mental game. And one of the the philosophies of this book is that um, the the worst thing that a tennis player can do is when the ball is approaching them and they're getting ready to strike it is to judge what they're capable of doing with that ball, like where they're going to hit it or what kind of spin they're going to put on it. Because most of the time that judgment that we put on ourselves is not as as great as what we really are able to do. So if you just look at the ball for what it is and say, all right, the ball is approaching me. I'm not judging it. I'm not, I'm not saying whether I can put that ball where I want it to, to, to go, or if, if I can hit it as hard as I want to, I'm just going to accept it for what it is. Mm-hmm. That actually puts you in the best position to, uh, to succeed. A hundred percent. That's a great analogy. That's it. And, and it's, and it's interesting in my, in my work, you know, in my organizational development work, whether I'm coaching or training or facilitating it, it still amazes me how much we limit ourselves by our own judgment of ourselves, you know, and helping people to release that. One of the questions I, I do ask in coaching when someone says, well, I really can't do that. And I say to them, yes, you can. And they say, no, no, yes, you can. You're, you're, you're choosing not to do it. And once I help them understand that they actually do have a choice it, it's amazing how empowered they feel just by knowing that whatever they believed in their mind 
and it could have been something from 20 years ago that they heard, or maybe the way they were raised, they, they start to question it. You know, we have these filters, it's kind of how I see it. We have filters in our mind. We take in information and we process that information through those filters. Well, sometimes those filters are, are really dirty, you know, with, with just old beliefs or things that we bought into that are just not true. Yeah. Baggage is what I call yeah, it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you can call it a filter or a lens, but it's kind of like when you go to the eye doctor, you know, and you're looking through those things, whatever they're called, and they're clicking it and they're saying better or worse, better or worse, right? They're clicking and you change it on these, all, all of these lenses. Well, I use that analogy a lot. And I say to them, look, it's time to change the lens because the lens you're looking through right now is blurry. Mm-hmm. So if we were to change that lens, what would it look like? You know, what would you be believing instead of what you're believing now? And so you're absolutely right. That judgment really gets in our way. And hey, myself included, I'm not exempt from this at all. I'm constantly questioning, okay, is that true or is that a belief? You know, the belief yeah. could, it could be true, but it also could not be true. Yeah. You know, that's great. We're getting good stuff from you already. Oh. Um, so, you know, when did you know that you wanted to be a coach? Was there something that happened in your academic career or your professional career that led you to to be a coach? Well, all I ever really knew was what I was that I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. And that's and when I do my career development work, people say that I just want to help people. Well, that includes about 200,000 different careers probably, right? But that's all that I really knew that I wanted to do. Um, And so I was a career coach for many years and I worked primarily with um, people who they were disadvantaged for some reason. I actually started my career in the prison system. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to work I was always about the underdog. I wanted to help the underdog. That's what I wanted to do. So uh, I I worked in the prison system for a while, helping helping young um, boys in the inner city of Baltimore kind of transition out of the prison system and and try to turn their lives around. And uh, from there, I went to running a welfare to work program where I was helping women break the cycles of poverty and get off of welfare and, and really start to own their careers and build their confidence. And so I I did career coaching with lots of different populations, even like what's called dislocated workers. So people who lost their jobs, like now, to mm-hmm. no fault of their own. Uh, I would, I'm, I'm a nationally certified resume writer. So I, I, I would help them with their resumes. I would help them with interviewing. That was many, many years ago. I think to answer your question, what really inspired me to want to do the work that I do now and start my company was when you're a career coach, you hear a lot of things that go on in the workplace that was to me was just unacceptable. Here I am helping these people who are already vulnerable, right? And I'm helping them get back into workplaces that, in my opinion, were not healthy. So that is really what changed my direction. And, and that was more than 20 years ago. I mean, I, I really wanted, you know, I, I, I just thought to myself, let's focus on the issue and the problems. And, and I wanted to be in the workplace. I wanted to be inside organizations, really helping them to become a healthier, happier place to be. 
So my whole motto through this has been, you know, joy on the job, find joy in your job, because um, my mother was a single mother with three children. And if, if she hadn't work was work was so important, none of me or my siblings would be where we are today without the hard work that my mother um, engaged in. Sometimes she had up to three jobs just to make sure we had what we needed. So work is a big part of life, right? It's how we find sometimes our purpose. It's how we take care of our families. It's how we advance our families. My grandmother had a sixth grade education. My mom was the first in our family to graduate from high school and I was the first to graduate from college. So that's what work does for families. Yeah. And so, yeah, I really wanted to be in the workplace and help people find their joy there. I mean, gosh, if we're going to spend eight, 10 hours a day away from our families, it should be a place where it's happy and healthy and productive at the same time. Totally agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally a person who finds quite a bit of identity out of, uh, their workplace. So uh, that's that's really important to me as well. And I, I think that's more important to uh, a lot of people these days because the, the workplace is blurring between, you know, the office or the factory and people are working at home now. So their home yeah. life is blurred with their, their work life. Yeah, so finding sure. joy on the job is, uh, is critically important. I have one more question because um, I'm interested in how, or maybe if this is just a special talent that you have, but, you know, when you're providing coaching to people, it seems like you just have this like encyclopedia of references or um, tools or uh, questions that you, you're able to tap into to help kind of guide people in the right direction. So, you know, a couple that come to mind for me are like the one word exercise that you've given to uh, myself and many other people or your, the, the faith focus fire tool that you provided to me <laughs> yeah. on different occasions. So is, is, is that a special talent that you have of just like this Rolodex of different coaching practices or processes, or is that something that you have to hone over many years? Okay. That's a great question. Um, no, I am not that smart. <laughs> it doesn't come, it's not like a natural thing. So, you know, when you fly on an airplane, right. And they say, Put your, if, if the if the oxygen mask drops, right? Put your mask on before you put the mask on your child, right? Or your, or your significant other, whatever. Great coaches put their mask on first. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I am no good to my clients if I do not become a wealth of knowledge, resources, tools, tips, tricks, techniques, whatever that is. So I love research. I think that is one thing that is natural about me that makes it easy for me to put that mask on first. I love research. I love reading articles, reading books, listening to podcasts, and really learning. I, I, have, I am a lifelong learner. The second thing is I am a huge advocate of professional development in organizations mm-hmm. because I know what it does for people's confidence, their knowledge their happiness in the workplace, right? I have to also do that for myself. So I am a lifelong learner in the sense that not only do I do a lot of research and reading, but I also participate in my own, you know, in courses, workshops, conferences, anywhere where I can learn something. And it's all in an effort to give it back to my clients, really. 
So I, I have to do that. If I don't do that, I'm, I'm not prioritizing my clients and I'll become stagnant, you know? Yeah. So I okay. wish I was that smart, Neil. Hmm. But I, don't, I don't think you might be. <laughs> <laughs> if Research you're not, you hide it very well. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> All right. So okay. I get, now you ooh. get to interview me. Wow. I don't know if I can live up to that. Oh, no, 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 no. Come I on. think when I edit this podcast, I'm going to put this interview first so I don't uh -huh. have to follow you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. So one of the first things I want to ask you is, well, first of all, first question, because for our millions of listeners, first question yes. is, tell us what you do. Okay. Because yeah. you get a lot of purpose from your work. You said that. I do. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do get a lot of purpose from my work, you know, and um, I was actually just thinking about this uh, a few weeks ago, you know, so I'm, I'm originally from the St. Louis area and um, about 20 years ago uh, this year, I uh, was kind of just floating in my career and uh, I decided to up and move to Austin, Texas without a job. And um, I moved to Austin, Texas, and I could not find a job for the life of me. I mean, I, I went out every day delivering resumes to every possible company, advertising agencies, PR agencies, um, you know, dot-com uh, uh, companies, and could not find a job. And finally, uh, got a, what I'd call a source of income, not really a job, but a source of income as a temporary employee at the Texas Workers' Compensation Fund. Uh, in downtown Austin, Texas. And my job there was to remove staples from documents and then tape them back together with scotch tape so that they could run them through a scanner because they were moving to digital. You know, they had hard copies of all these files. So I'd walk in in the morning and literally have like at least a four foot pile of documents <sighs> that all, all were stapled together. Remove staple, tape, put it in a different pile. Remove staple, tape, put it in a different pile. Wow. And, um, so, uh, yeah, that was not fun. And, you know, here I am a person that did have a college degree and a few years of mm. work experience and, you know, not finding any purpose out of that. And I remember getting back to my really dumpy apartment and, and just saying, all right, you know what, I'm going to fix this situation. And at some point when I find that job, when I find, you know, that calling in my life, I'm going to sink every bit of energy into it. And I've really followed through with that since then. And, you know, I've, I've put just a ton of uh, emphasis in my life on that. Obviously, you know, I have other parts of my life and my family life is, is very important to me. My friends are very important to me. But I have kind of held on to that because I got to a point where, you know, honestly, I was, I was pretty scared about where my overall career was going. And um, I don't want to get back to that point. So mm -hmm. I have since then found purpose in, in my job. Um, I, I'm fortunate in that I, I ended up finding a job in the beer industry. So it's a fairly fun industry. And I've been doing that for most of the last 20 years. I had like one year where I, I didn't work in the beer industry, worked in the snack food industry, which was still pretty fun. Um, but the beer industry is kind of where I found my home. And uh, I've been doing that other, ever since in, in both a, you know, um, but mostly a marketing capacity, but most recently also in sales. I worked for Paps Brewing Company for a long time. I worked for a craft brewery called Flying Dog for quite some time. I worked on the agency side for a bit, still with a beer client. Tammy and I got to know each other through my work at Dogfish Head out on the East Coast. And now I work at a craft brewery here in Bend, Oregon called Deschutes Brewery. So been doing that for 20 years. That's where I find a great deal of my purpose. 
Mm. What's purposeful about it? You know, I think my purpose is that, you know, I always try to push the envelope. I'm, I'm never happy with the status quo. You know, I always try to challenge people, you know, and I, I don't actually, I don't think I was very good at that until you started helping me, you know, kind of uh, demonstrate my, my inner voice, but I would challenge myself, but I wasn't great at challenging other people. But yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the purpose for me is, is, is driven by success, you know, of growing a business, but also doing it um, in a fairly unique way. Mm-hmm. In marketing, one of the challenges a, a former colleague of mine said at one point in time, and it, this this just really pissed me off. But he was like, "There are no new ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, you just put a new a new uh, wrap around it." And I was like, "What? No, there are new ideas." <laughs> so I'm really driven by new ideas, new ways of thinking that drive results. You know, I, I find a great deal of joy in, you know, finding that new idea for a brand. You know, that's the marketing side of me coming out. Mm-hmm. But I've also find that new ideas are are not just, you know, advertising campaigns or packaging designs, but you know, new ideas are also processes. And most recently, you know, it's been new ideas are, you know, how do we work together? You know, how do we map out a strategy? How do we create internal communication? So I've started to get a lot more enjoyment out of those other things other than, like I said, you know, what, where I started my career, which was much more on like the creative side. Yeah. So it's about innovation for you, new things, new ways of doing things. I love when you said push the envelope. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I always try to do that. I'm, you know, if it was just um, a situation of, you know, following the competition or um, yeah, I wouldn't be happy with that. Um, and I also would, would not be happy. I'm really driven by working in jobs that do not have, you know, a manual that they hand you on day one <laughs> and say, here's what you got to do. Just keep doing this. You know, if that were the case, um, I probably would say, wow, okay, you got the wrong person. That's, yeah. that's not who I am. I, I much prefer the blank piece of paper and uh, the, the fear that comes with that of saying, okay, wow. We got to, we got to have a plan on here, you know, in the next 90 days or whatever it might be. That's really interesting because there's so many types of different styles and personalities, you know, in the workplace. And there are people listening to us right now who would probably say, wow, that is, that's kind of crazy. Like, (laughs) right. (laughs) Like I need very clear directions. Like I get so stressed and overwhelmed if I don't have that. Right. I think it's a great example of, of how we, that diversity in style and what we need to find purpose and be successful. It's so important to have that diversity in the workplace. So I love that you love that blank slate, you know, it's really, (laughs) really cool. That blank piece of paper. And there's people listening to us right now who would find that maybe very stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it, it's truly that diversity that that makes for happy workplaces, right? Yeah, and I think it took me a while to learn that not everyone thinks that way. <laughs> and again, yeah. through some work with you, but you know, uh, I I used to uh, run a meeting where you know I would just kind of spring topics on people, and uh, I got the feedback that they were like, "No, please don't do that." You know, I, I I like to have time to think about it. Can you tell me what the topics are going to be in advance? And I was like, "Oh." Okay, well, that doesn't seem very fun to me, but all right, I guess I'll you know comply with that. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've found that most people are that way. They like to know what the topic of conversation is going to be. They don't like to live in a, you know, in an episode of whose line is it anyway, yeah. where, where everything's improv. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that is the way that I think I, 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 yeah. I try to be kind of a, an improv actor at work. Yeah. But the cool thing, Neil, you're also a leader. And so you recognize that, right? That people don't necessarily process, do things, communicate, think, uh, problem solve, make decisions the way you do. So that's what a great leader, that's one of the things a great leader does is they're adaptable and they, they adapt their style to meet other styles because they want the best results, right? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I, I think being a great leader, and that will be a topic that we talk a, a lot about on this podcast and, you know, how do you define that? Because I think the definition of leadership is very vague. And I'll I'll say from my own perspective, you know, I'm a, I'm a sports fan. And the phrase that you hear most often is, you know, whoever is the leader on a certain, you know, football team or baseball team, they'll often say, well, they, they lead by example. And so that was always the, the phrase that was in my mind of like, well, are you a leader? And I would be like, well, I, I set a good example. So therefore I'm a leader. I've actually found that that's, that's not so true. I mean, that might be a part of it, sure. but it's like 1% of, of leadership. And um, so being able to uh, understand other ways of leading, I think are, are very important. Um, I mean, I hope that I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, when you said that I'm adaptable, yes, I do think I'm adaptable, but sometimes I think I'm adaptable to a fault. Mm-hmm. And and uh, some of the work that we've done is, you know, where you use uh, this this concept called the disk analysis, and you, you've uh, given me this test three times, and I've I've tested completely different three times. You know, I've been in different quadrants three times, and so that's where I kind of question myself. Where I'm like, all right, am I being too adaptable? Like, what is the true definition of me? And I don't know if I've quite gotten there yet. I think you're a blank piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> no, I really do. I mean, you answered your own question when you talked about, you know, I love to push the envelope. I knew, love new ideas, new ways of thinking, that blank canvas, that blank piece of paper. And I honestly think that you thrive in an, in an environment where you can be adaptable and move around. Again, other, you know, some of our listeners might be thinking, wow, that is not what what would bring me joy in the workplace. And that's okay. You know, it's just about knowing yourself. Um, I have, I have a question for you. You said when you moved to Austin, you could not find a job. You were sending out resumes. Um, I don't know what the job market was like back then, but you know, um, this, this year that we're, that we're starting this podcast 2020, there's a lot of people out there who are probably in that boat right now. Um, what would you say to them? What I've found is that I've always been able to rebound when I feel like I've reached rock bottom. So I would say, I don't know if this is good advice or not, but don't be afraid of reaching that bottom point. And for me, working at the Texas Workers' Compensation Fund, removing staples all day was rock bottom. I mean, it was just the worst. You know, it was... Um, I mean, I, I hardly made any money. I was living off a credit card at that time, but yet it helped me understand where I wanted to go. It provided me with that moment of clarity where I said, all right, 
you know what, I'm going to get out of this. And when I do, this is how I'm going to behave. And this is how I'm going to, you know, dedicate my life. So yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of empathy for people that are struggling out there. Like you said, a lot of people have lost their jobs and no fault of their own. Yeah. And, and that's a bad situation, you know, um, but try to find, you know, the, the glimmer of hope out of that situation. Because I, I mean, I remember that moment so clearly. Um, I, re- I remember being in that apartment. I remember exactly where I was in that apartment mm-hmm. when that, that mind, or that, when that idea came to mind. So, you know, I think be, being thoughtful at these times and being aware of how you feel, mm-hmm. um, and then trying to use that for, um, you know, mapping out what is the look of success. You know, it's no different than, you know, what you do in, in your current uh, job or in your past job where, you know, everyone always asks in the, in the meeting, well, what's the definition of success? So I think you got to really set that, those goals and be very clear about it. The other thing that I would say, um, as I talk through that would be, I don't know, I, I, I've never read the book and I don't even know if I know the name of the book, but I know the concept. It's the secret, right? Was that yeah. the name of the book? It's yeah. Secret, right? Yeah. I've never read it, but I understand the concept of it, which is have a clear vision of what you want to do. And I've found that when I have a clear vision of what I want to do, and I truly believe that it will happen, then it does happen. And that's happened several times in my career. So, you know, some way, somehow find a way to get to that clear vision of of where you want your career to go. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just like, when you get that, there's a little bit of a gravitational pull that takes you in the right direction. I think that's great advice. I, I, Yeah. I think that's having clarity for your own vision for yourself is so critical to getting where you want to go. And it's hard because sometimes when you're in that situation, you're like, I don't know what I want to do. Could you, I mean, did you go through that where it was like, you know, I'm sitting here removing these staples. I'm at rock bottom. This is awful, but I don't know what I want. I don't know where I want to go and what I want to do. Did you have moments like that? And, and, and if so, what helped you to get clear? Was it just simply hitting rock bottom or did something happen that inspired you that was like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. How, how did that play out for you? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I did hit rock bottom. I was literally, I would say days, maybe hours away from saying, all right, this didn't work. I'm going to have to move back to the Midwest and live with my mom. <laughs> you know, and, and get a job and save money because I'm living with mom, you know, and pay off all this credit card debt that I've built up. Um, so yeah, did did reach rock bottom. You know, I don't know if at that moment in time I had the clarity. I think that's something that I've developed a little bit since then. Mm-hmm. But the clarity was, wasn't what I wanted to do. It was how I was going to dedicate my myself to the job. I think maybe that's the difference. That's the difference. Um, it's about the how. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I think since then, as I've progressed my career and, you know, I think another word of describing me might be ADD. That might be the clinical description, you know, cause I do get bored with things quickly and, you know, I've, I've kind of jumped around from job to job a little bit, but I'll say that, you know, some of these places where I've worked um, both my last job and my current job are both places where I dreamed about working, you know, when, wow. before I worked at dogfish, I dreamed about working there. And then all of a sudden when that opportunity presented itself, I was like, okay, Wow, that's interesting. I better take a look at that. You know, the opportunity at Deschutes, where I work now, that that was a place where I dreamed about working. I dreamed about living in Bend, Oregon. 
all of a sudden the the opportunity presents itself. And that's why I talk about that gravitational pull. You know, I wasn't actually, you know, it's not like I was knocking on the door of these employers saying, hey, when are you going to hire a marketing person? And when you do, I'm here. It wasn't that. It was it was that I had a vision. And then all of a sudden, when that opportunity presented itself, I said, okay, I should take a good look at it. You know, um, I've often said, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> and, and, and when what you wish for presents itself, I think it's a sign that you should give it at least a hard look. For me, I've always gone forward with it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been kind of the determining factor when I've had tough career decisions yeah. of, okay, this opportunity has presented itself. This is something that I've dreamed about. I'm on the fence. I might be 50 50 of whether I stay at a current job or I go to that one. And uh, the deciding factor has been how did I view this, this opportunity prior to it being right in front of me? I think that's great advice for listeners out there who are maybe in that same situation or similar situation. And I'm going to add to it a little bit. When you have a vision, if, if you have a clear vision and where, you, and, and it can be like Neil, it was more about the how. It doesn't matter if it's about the what, the where, the how, the when, the why. It doesn't matter. If you have a clear vision, make sure you believe it. Right. I was just going to say that. That's so funny. Yeah. You have (laughs) to believe it. Because it's the belief part. And this is where the judging yourself comes in. we, Mm -hmm. We talked about this earlier, right? There's, we put, you know, we're, we put so much judgment on ourselves. And so what we sometimes do is we have this vision. We say, man, that would be great. This is what I want. This is how I want it to look. And they can clearly see it in their minds. But in the back of their minds, they're like, that's, that's never going to happen. You know, and that's the part that really makes the difference. So you have to have that vision. Yes, it has to be a clear vision, but you have to believe it. And even if it doesn't happen, like, let's say you get an interview with that company that you really want to work for, you know, your dream job and you don't get it. You should absolutely have the attitude that after you get that rejection, that they made a huge mistake. Ah, oh, I love that. You, you can't let that get to you and say, well, geez, I believed it. This was my vision. This was the objective that I set and I didn't make it. No, you have to believe with all your heart that they just made the mistake of their life. Yes. And, and that they should have hired you. And then maybe you recalibrate what that what that vision is. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you that some it's funny, sometimes those opportunities come back around. Yeah. You know, there have been situations in my career where I interviewed somewhere and didn't get the job. And then it's come full circle and I'm like, oh well here I am again. <laughs> and true. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Neil. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to thank um, all the listeners who are tuning into the Intentional Workplace. And I want to thank Neil for for really being the heart and soul behind this podcast. Uh, because, <laughs> I I, well, I'll tell you, uh, just so you guys know, like I am not the technical side of this thing. Uh, I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for Neil. So I want to thank him and thank all the listeners. And uh, Neil, until next time, we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to leadership, interpersonal communication, joy on the job, all that great stuff. But, you know, it really is about being intentional. Uh, Neil, your story at the end, I don't think we could close out this podcast any better than that. 
So clear vision, that's only half of it. You got to believe it. And I love what you said. If you get rejected from that job, make sure you look in the mirror and say they just made the biggest mistake of their life. And I'll tell you, that's not typically what we do. We say when we get rejected, maybe this isn't what I should be doing, right? Mm -hmm. No. So we're going to end with that, Neil. I can't give a better way to end it. Thank you for that great story. And any last words of wisdom, my friend? Nope, nope. I, but I agree with you. We have plenty to talk about. So I'm looking forward to doing this. And uh, we'll see everyone next time. Great. Have Thanks, great Tammy. Day. Bye.